Hello, and welcome to episode 172 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is always going to be most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the oddly glorious. This week, we're going to be talking about Whip It on your I Can Grow the Balls podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. You can find me on Twitter at Matthew Vose. And you may remember we had on a few weeks ago our friends Lindsay and Sarah from Nature Finds A Way. Um, you can also find me on their podcast for an episode. Um, I joined them to talk about Lilo and Stitch, which, Mandy, oh. you can remember we talked about a while ago. Yes. Um, their podcast, they talk about nature and biology in films. So it's, a, a, you know, a one step away from what you and I do. Um, mm-hmm. But still interesting conversations on, on films. So we went on to talk about one of my favourites, but one that had some really interesting stuff on, like, so why do some creatures have more eyes? And is it possible you could have six limbs rather than four? And why does that happen? And that sounds thoroughly interesting. It really it, it was fascinating. And it was really good because it's one of those things you just vaguely think when you watch like alien films and stuff and you go mm-hmm. i wonder you know could they have acid for blood and stuff <laughs> things like that <laughs> um they actually discuss them as well as discussions about you know the nature on hawaii and mosquitoes and mosquito populations and it was good uh really fun really interesting so uh, nature finds a way everyone should go and check them out has your episode already come out let's go with yes <laughs> given, oh, by the time given this episode the, airs, they record ahead will. and we record ahead i think we record further ahead Okay. I mean, go and check them out anyway. You, you, I'm <laughs> sure everyone loved when they were on because they brought on awesome films that we had so much fun talking about. Uh, oh, first, absolutely. First Contact and Cellular. But uh, we had a uh, uh, scientific chat on Lilo and Stitch, which was cool. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Mm. They've, certainly the one that's just come out is Snakes on a Plane, which I've not listened oh, to see, yet. I haven't seen that yet. So, Oh, I'm really looking forward to listening to that because it is bonkers. So I'm interested like how realistic it is on some of this stuff. Um, and they said coming, and this is the reason I thought of it, that coming up is also the film Alien. So that will be really oh, interesting okay. to talk about, you know, multiple creatures, gestation periods and stuff. Mm. Sure. Mm. Interesting. All right. Nature finds a way. Absolutely. However, we're here to talk about, uh, and I cannot find a segue to talk about this in terms of the biology and nature of roller derby in Texas. <laughs> There's no link there, is there? I don't think no. there's a link there. But this is uh, our continuation of uh, Month of Female Directors. Yes, it is. Mm. This is Drew Barrymore. This was Drew Barrymore's directorial debut, and so far the only film she has directed. Absolutely. But but a, an interesting one to, to go to. I will admit, because I, I only watched this myself a couple of years ago, and one of the main reasons for wanting you to watch it is, hey, this film's awesome. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was surprised by it because I remember when it came out, okay. I remember seeing the trailer and stuff and like all of the hype surrounding it was Ellen Page and Drew Barrymore. Okay. Like it was a big deal that Drew Barrymore was part of this movie. Mm. And so I expected Drew Barrymore to actually be a main character mm. and to be like Ellen Page's mentor in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that is not at all what no. we got. Is this, this is just pre-Bridesmaids maybe? So Kristen Wiig was about to make it big? Yeah. Yeah, because Bridesmaids was 2011, mm, I think. Something around then, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Whip it. 
small-town high schooler Bliss Cavender falls in love with roller derby and lies about her age to be able to play. Because apparently you have to be 21 to play. Apparently so. I mean, do we know if that's true? I have no idea. I haven't checked either. Let us know. Uh, uh, you mentioning like, the advertising, I don't think I was even aware of this film. Oh, okay. So whether it got a push or a release over here or not, I don't know. Um, so when did you see it? Only two, three years ago. Okay. Why? Like, did you just stumble across it I, and say, oh, this looks good? Yeah, I think... I, I don't know. If I had to come up with a reason, there's someone that I follow on Letterboxd and this is her profile icon. So I would imagine it's one of her favorite films. So when you click on her right. profile, it says, like, these are my favorite films. So maybe I saw that. Maybe I went, okay, this sounds cool. It's Drew Barrymore. Why don't I check it out? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So given you saw the advertising for it and you're aware of this film and it's Southern and it's people you like and all of this, how come you never saw it? As best as I can tell, time. Like, I just <laughs> never had time to watch it. Okay, got it, right. <laughs> as best as I can tell, time, no. Um, yeah, I think it's just, I never had opportunity slash time. Right. And then when I did start devoting all of my time to watching movies, they were movies pre-selected, mm-hmm. pre-ordained for me to watch. <laughs> right. And so until you told me I had to watch this one for the show, I couldn't. Okay, I mean, I don't really watch movies for fun anymore. And this is one of the reasons why, like, we are watching it, because I just want people to watch this film. So if you're listening to this, if you're not sure, if you've not seen it, I, I say go watch this. I think this is awesome. I think this is a great film. It's exactly what I want to watch in films. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Okay. Whip It is a 2009 American coming-of-age sports comedy drama and was the directorial debut of Drew Barrymore. Based on her 2007 novel, Derby Girl, the screenplay was written by Shauna Cross. It stars Ellen Page, Aaliyah Shockett, Marsha Gay Harden, Kristen Wiig, Drew Barrymore, Juliette Lewis, Eve, Zoe Bell, Jimmy Fallon, and Daniel Stern. While it was received positively by critics, it was not a financial success, bringing in only $16.6 million against a $15 million budget. I wonder why. This is a box office flop. Yeah, I wonder why, because who knows? What else came out at that time? Do you know? You usually know these things. Uh, no, I didn't have to research this one. <laughs> uh, down, list of 2019, 2009 films. No, let's find a good 2009 in film. So 2009 was the year of Avatar, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Transformers Render the Fallen, Twilight Saga New Moon. So nothing there's nothing there that's like significant, significant. Let's see when it came out. Was this a summer film? Zombie Land. Okay. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, the two thousand nine re release of Toy Story, Surrogates and the Invention of Lying all beat it out opening weekend. Well that's interesting, yeah, because it did come out at the same time as Zombie Land and then the following week was nothing standing out. I mean, there's Bronson and um, The Damned United. Couples Retreat. Which are good films, but, I mean, and yes, Couples Retreat. Um, but that's what was number one the following week. Lord. <laughs> yeah, this is not a good time for movies, but, but also people it's, weren't interested in Whippet, apparently. Yeah, October, which is not a thing. Let's let's talk Whippets. Yes, let's talk Whippets. Because you really, really like this movie. Well, How I, did you I, watch it? If you... Let's talk whippets. Does whippet, as one word, mean anything to you? It's a drug? 
thing? <laughs> oh, it might be, you know, and I am not the person to ask on that. It's a dog. W-H-I-P-P-E-T is a okay. type of dog. And there is a stereotype of a certain sort of northern man that is a flat cap with a whippet kind of guy. Absolutely stereotypical. Okay. But there is this thing that, particularly when we say the word whippet, all I think of is this dog and this sort of stereotypical kind of thing. Oh, okay. That's not a thing for me. No. And it's really funny hearing that, having just watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And one of the things that, okay. that certainly the film more than the TV show, but the TV show a little bit, is Bender is also a slang, derogatory slang for gay person, particularly used in a sort of kiddie way. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, like, a little bit like you might use fag. And none of these are, we are not condoning the use of any of these words. These are terrible words. You should not put people down or insult them. But bender is that kind of thing. It's it's just okay. a ridiculously low-key insult. So releasing mm-hmm. something over here where people constantly refer to each other as benders did not get well received. And apparently in the film, they do it a lot. Oh. And Whippet has that same sort of thing. Like, I just keep hearing Whippet and thinking of flat cap wearing guys with dogs. Okay. Anyway, that was just, I wanted to have a quick side discussion of Whippet. Okay. I, I I hear Whippet when you put it together as one word, and I think of Whippets, which I think is when you, like, huff the air I was about to say, isn't it, isn't it huffing, like, laughing gas or something as well? I think so, yes. Whippet drug are cartridges of nitrous oxide, yeah. Uh, used to charge whipped cream dispensers. Some people misuse the Whippets to get high. Okay, so yes, it is both. Yes, you saying that suddenly tweet, triggered a memory of like, oh yeah, it's with the thing and the thing. I'm making gestures like Absolutely. I have any clue on this, me and my nice middle Clearly, class. Clearly, yeah. we, we do not do the drugs here at Pop Culturally Deprived. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, All right. So, whip it, whip the movie. It. <laughs> How were you able to watch this? You love it. Do you own it? I don't. It's on Stars Play on Amazon. Um, so that's how I was able oh. to watch it when I watched it a while ago and that, and I paid for Stars Play this time to be able to watch it again because they've also got another film called Across the Universe that I'm looking forward to watching. You know what? If it's on Stars, I'm going to be pissed because I rented it from Amazon and I pay for Stars, but when I searched Roku for it, it didn't come up as a being Yeah, surely it would have listed it in that way, yeah. But like, why would it be on the Stars channel in the UK and not here? Just licensing different distributors. But Stars is Stars. (laughs) Stars. That's how we were able to watch it. Let's talk. So, the cast. I don't think we should go through the entire cast, although... Oh, no. That cast. Um, Did you even know it was a book before reading up on this? I did not. No. I didn't know it was a book until... So, Amazon also has this, like, three-minute featurette um, called Writer's Draft that was basically Sean Across talking about it. Cool. And it was when I watched that that I discovered this was... Mm. A novel first. Mm. But she did the screenplay, I think, which is cool. She did do the screenplay, yes. And it doesn't star Emma Watson. It's a book adaptation for women that doesn't star Emma Watson. Who thought such a thing could happen? He says, having watched well, Little I mean, Women in and got annoyed. <laughs> in, in 2009, Emma Watson was like five. Well, she just had a Harry Potter book out. But like, you've got the Harry Potter books and you've got Perks of Being a Wallflower and you've got Little Women and you've got Beauty and Beast and... She just seems to be the go-to, and, I, and I'm beginning to get annoyed at how miscast she gets. Anyway. Mm. Anyway, we're not talking about Emma Watson. We're talking about Drew Barrymore, Ellen Page. Anyone else that you might want to comment on? 
I mean, I think those are the, the, the two that really warrant yeah. commenting on here because this, you know, like I said, was Barrymore's directorial debut. Mm. So we're not going to talk about her acting credits here, but her, this was the only thing she ever directed, but she does produce oh. as well. She has her own production company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so out of the things that she's produced, I've seen Never Been Kissed. She did the Charlie's Angels movies, mm-hmm. including the recent one that I haven't seen yet. Um, Donnie Darko, which we did on the show a little while ago. Yep. I had no idea she was a producer on that. So she's she does pretty well. She also does like Santa Clarita Diet, which I haven't seen, but I really want to. Okay. Like there are things on her list that I want to watch. Right. That I just haven't gotten around to. Did you see, and this might explain one of the things that you might want to talk about. Did you see who she runs the production company with? I didn't pay attention. Uh, her best friend, Nancy Juvonen. Okay who, when she filmed a film called uh, Fever Pitch. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is based on a British film starring Colin Firth, which is based on a book, a non-fiction book, but they still f- turned it into a rom-com because writers. She was filming Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon, and she introduced Jimmy Fallon to her best friend, Nancy Javonen, and they ended up getting married. Is that why Jimmy Fallon was in with it? Because... She, her best friend is married to Jimmy Fallon and they are clearly very, very good friends as well. So, Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I thought Jimmy Fallon was a very odd choice to be in this movie. Felt like it, didn't it? But. Yeah. I mean, he did it very well. Yeah. He played the role very well, but it just felt weird. Yeah, it does sort of explain the link there a bit, doesn't it? So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Ellen Page, I was shocked looking at her filmography that I've really only ever seen her in the X-Men movies and Juno. Yeah, she's just one of those people you're aware of. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. I thought I had seen so many more things. Have you not seen Inception? I have seen Inception, okay. but I didn't remember her from that, which is okay. why I didn't put it on the list. Mm. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's in a lot of stuff, but... Mm-hmm. She's in Umbrella Academy, which I've heard wonderful things about, but I have not seen yet. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. And yes, there's a lot of other people that we all recognize from many, many different things. So I'm sure we might cover them a bit later. Uh, Is there anything you would compare this to? Similar material? Like, there are so many different aspects of this you could compare it to. Coming of age stories, sports stories, young girl entering a thing and discovering skills and abilities thing. Is, Is there anything in particular you compare it to? The one that comes to mind the most is a gymnastics movie called Stick It. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Yep. It's so good. Yeah. Is that because of the name? Jeff Bridges as the gymnastic coach. Mm-hmm. It's Jeff Bridges, right? Yeah. 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 Is that because of the name, though? No, it's not because of the name. I think it's because it's the strong teenage girl sports mm-hmm. connection. Okay. See, and in, in those terms, when you think about those sorts of stories... It almost leads you to like the Pitch Perfect films. Yes. I have some of this as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of similar movies, but at the same time, there are very few movies like this. Right. There's a hockey movie called Slapshot from like the 70s, which is very good, which mm-hmm. is similar to this, which this has a cameo of. But I mean, they want you to compare it to things like Bend It Like Beckham, which I haven't seen yet. Mm. Um, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, actually, again, actually Bend It Like Beckham sports. is a very good comparison. Mm. Um, we should. It's on the list. We mm. just haven't gotten around to it. So, um, yeah, I've never watched Friday Night Lights. I haven't seen the movie. I only saw oh. the TV show. Okay. So, whip it. He says almost saying stick it. <laughs> <laughs> 
perhaps that's what hurts it at the box office. Like, is this the sequel? Is this... <laughs> Maybe. Uh, did you enjoy Whip It? Oh, my word. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it good? It's so good. Isn't it such a good film? <laughs> it is such a good movie. And, like, am I the only one who wants to immediately go out and join a roller derby league now? No, it looks like so much fun. <laughs> like, I would die doing that, honestly. But it looks oh, like I so would much too. fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't skate. I can't do anything. But, like, I was watching this movie and, like, the actors, like, Kristen Wiig, Juliette Lewis, they're 36 in this movie. And they're playing 36-year-olds, mm, right? Because yeah. we got that whole scene with Juliette Lewis saying she's 36. Yep. She started skating when she was 31. I could totally go join roller derby right now. Like, it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. I'm not. It's cr- the time of coronavirus, but... It just sounds fun. I want to go <laughs> skate and, like, whack people down. <laughs> which which role would you play in the roller derby? I mean, I would prefer to be the jammer. Okay. Because the jammer's the one who is most likely to not get, like, clotheslined because everybody's trying to push the mob out of the way, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I feel like that's the least likely to give me giant bruises, but... I don't think I could skate fast enough to do it. Yeah, that's the trick, isn't it? So I would be one of the folks in the mob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> go and do women's roller derby. Um, <laughs> it might be a little unfair on me. Maybe. on skates. Just but... a little. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard because it's one of those just really good films that we can dig into any point, but any point I think we discuss is going to end up with, and they did that so well. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we should just skip to favorites and just start picking apart the film and saying like, okay, you know, the, the thing with her best friend and the setup of the town and the way they dealt with this and the way they dealt with this, isn't it just so good? Well, so this is a movie that basically has every possible sports movie and coming of age movie cliche oh, yeah. possible. Yeah. But they're all put together so masterfully Mm -hmm. that it's just, it's fun to watch. It's wonderful to experience. I was honestly surprised they didn't win. Okay. But I think I say that every time. Like, it's the the trope is that they don't win, but I still always expect them to win. And then they didn't. So, So that was nice. But it didn't matter. They came, bring it on. That's another movie yes, that this is like. Yeah. And exactly at the same. They come in second and they are excited about it. Yeah. Right? Because they recognize how hard they worked and how much fun they had. Exactly. They The bonding it's was more wonderful. important than the winning. That's the moral of yeah. the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And this, honestly, this movie, it could have gone in a couple different ways in the 17-year-old's relationship with these 30-year-old women. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. Like, they they put them in a mentorship role for her, even when they thought she was 22. Yeah. Right? And especially, I think Kristen Wiig's character is one of my favorites, Maggie Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Because she's the one who, you know, she sticks up for Bliss, ruthless, <laughs> and is there for her and supports her, but also gives her the honesty that you're not being fair to your mom. Mm. Um. And you don't often get that. Yeah. Usually the main character kind of comes to it on her own. Mm -hmm. You don't get somebody whispering in her ear, you know, you're right. You should be able to do this thing that you love. Yeah. 
but you're kind of being a dick. Yeah, it's it's the sort of moment where they watch a film or read something or Mm -hmm. like find their mum's diary and understand them. It's that kind of thing. But this is the sort of cool aunt intervention. Yes. And and she even says that. She calls herself the cool aunt. Oh, does she? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, she does. And it's... It's wonderful because you don't often get an adult giving a teenager good adult advice. No. Yeah, it's just, I think that that aspect of it, you're saying about them treating her well and working with her and having the mentorship thing, that sort of element of sorority to it mm-hmm. really does come through. They're, just, they're, they're all out there to have fun, and it's really good. And it, I think it comes through really strongly because you have the, the lesser Wilson brother as their coach, and... They just ignore him. And you even have that amazing, the amazing coach moment that, that, like you say, is in every sports movie where the coach proves that his conceptual stuff is better than their, like, experiential stuff. They're, you know, mm-hmm. they're thinking they can go and do it. We, we, uh, in Days of Thunder, the thing about drive the way I want, drive the way you want, and we'll compare. Right, right. Him going and making the other team run his play. Yeah. Which leaves them all on the floor to prove how good his plays are. That's a good moment. That is done very well. What could be really tropey and schlocky? Yeah. It works. It works for the character because he's like, right, sod you all. I'm going to prove you wrong. Not in a, you know, oh, I'm wise and I'm going to do a thing that proves you wrong. I am going to get you clotheslined. <laughs> well, and it, it, you know, it served two purposes. One, it, it, it showed how good his plays were, mm. but it also showed how... Oh, I'm not sure the word that I'm looking at. The, the new team had never seen this play before and yep. executed it flawlessly. Mm. And these guys couldn't do that. Yeah. Like the Hurl Scouts were like, oh, we don't know it. We don't know it. Blah, blah, blah. We haven't read them. And so they couldn't do it. And this other team saw the play on the thing and instantly executed it. Yeah. Showing that, that this team should be able to do that. Um, and I think they they did get there. Mm-hmm. By the end, yeah. they got there because, you know, in the beginning, they were there not to win, but to have an outlet for their bad attitude. Yep. You know, and they were having fun doing it. And that's all they cared mm. about. But I think having Bliss come in and bring that youthful exuberance yeah. made them want a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And they finally got to where they really wanted to stick it to Maven. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was, there was Eva Destruction. Was it Eva Destruction? Mm-hmm. Was the yes. sort of... Uh, captain main girl from the other team there seemed to be three mm-hmm. teams they kept referencing but juliette lewis was the other person on the other team that we got to see a lot right well because i mean she was the jammer yeah. she was the the star yeah but no one else seemed to really get any any time with it so hmm. but i mean it's juliette lewis well exactly and that's like, why you do that the character's really interesting as well because she doesn't she doesn't sell her out when she finds out this girl is underage she doesn't sell her out over it and, and that's what makes it even better that she then admits that she's too young, that she's not mm-hmm. coerced into it quite in that way. But she does say, look, you know, this is my thing. It's taken me years and I came to it late and so on. And, you know, I, I'm allowed to feel annoyed that someone young and has come in and gazumped me. Well, so she didn't sell her out, but she made her think she was, which is why mm. Bliss came clean. Exactly. It was yeah. a psychological move. Absolutely. Yeah. But I like that she comes clean with her and tells her, I didn't tell anybody you did that all on your own. Mm. Right. Like I I have a lot of respect for the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's kind of a bitch, but I still respect her. She's kind of, she's embodying the persona that, 
that that she's created for roller derby, right? Yeah. That's what she's doing. And I really liked that moment, though, in the end, after they've confronted each other. And, you know, Iron Maven's team has still won. The Holy Rollers have still won. But she praises Bliss for that jump that she did. And mm. Bliss is like, well, I'll teach it to you. <laughs> and, like, there's this moment of mutual respect where they're like, okay, mm. I, I, I will be taught something by this 17-year-old girl. I can do that. Yeah. And, like, that was nice. Mm. I, there's nothing about this movie that I don't like. It, it's interesting because in... Oh, this is almost into the conversation about female directors and female stories. I feel like in the equivalent, the opposite team would be the worst bunch of assholes that, oh, we just want to beat them, and having been beaten by them, we've still earned more. Or if it was like... Mm-hmm. You know, a Days of Thunder or a golf story, you know, a one-on-one sort of competition. The other person would just be awful and has stolen their wife and has done all this sort of thing. <laughs> Whereas in this, it's like, you know, they are still people. We can still understand their side. But they have a perspective that is they want to win and they work hard at it and they run the place and so on. Whereas we are bonding as a team and as a, a group together. Right. And, like, both yeah. both views are equal and just this is the one we're having in this story. Yes. Mm. It was never about tearing people down. No. Yes. Absolutely. Perfect point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Maybe that's why it didn't do well at the box office. Maybe. There wasn't enough conflict. Mm. I mean, because all of the conflict was really internal conflict because she's lying about her age Mm -hmm. and she's hiding this thing from her parents Mm -hmm. and her mom wants her to do the beauty pageant. So it's, it's all internal conflict for her. Yeah. Because we're talking so, about the the roller derby is the big thing, but actually the sort of coming of age story of it is the big mm-hmm. thing. Her first, what seems to be her first proper relationship, her falling out with her friend, which is a little forced, I would admit. Yes, uh, of any her of it. Was, but, yeah, her her friend was not being a friend, but I can understand being mad when you get arrested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the way they deal with the boyfriend. You know, it feels like a very natural, like, she meets a nice guy, they have a good relationship, then he goes off and, you know, as often happens in a long-distance relationship or someone going off to college, this kind of thing, mm-hmm. they've drifted apart and at least one of them doesn't want to be with the other one, so. Yeah. I liked, this was actually in my in my favorite moments. I So, if you read my thoughts, Doc, like, at first I was like, come on, Bliss, don't be that girl. That photo doesn't necessarily mean anything. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't make an assumption based on that photo. Um, Although I didn't at the time I wrote that, I didn't recognize that the girl was wearing her shirt. Okay, right. Okay. I think that's that's the thing. Yeah. But I really liked when he came back and she confronted him, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, this is bullshit. I didn't cheat on you. And she's like, I don't care. I don't want to be that girl. Mm. And then she's like, you should have called. She's like, I would have called. And she slapped him. And then she walks away. Yeah. (laughs) Like. That kind of growth in a 17-year-old is wonderful to see on the screen. Mm. Because in so many movies, she would have forgiven him and they would have had that happily ever after relationship. Yeah. You know, and it would have been, okay, I misinterpreted it. I should have trusted you, blah, blah, blah. And instead, she's like, I don't want to be the kind of girl who feels like this. Mm -hmm. If you had called me, none of this would have happened. And you didn't. I deserve better. And she walks away. Uh, And frankly, I'm, you know, I'm watching the Sex and City series at the moment. Carrie forgives Big for worse, and it's annoying as heck because he's awful. And it's good to see her go like, no, I have my own value, and I uh, uh, and like we'll come to the small town stuff in a bit. But she doesn't want to be a small town girl at this time, and that is kind of what mm-hmm. it's putting pigeonholing her into. So, 
yeah, it, it is the thing with the T-shirt that makes it. Like, fine, he didn't sleep with her or do anything with this girl, but that T-shirt meant something to her and she gave it to him as a memento. So this girl has clearly taken her top off, top off at some point and put this one on. Right. Like, that's disrespectful and he should have stopped it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. It's good. I, I, I love the way that it's handled. I, I think that's... it's. Mm-hmm. It's so nicely done, and, and you, you sort of put your finger onto it. It's that ending. Like, as we're going through it, I'm always a bit like, oh, this is fairly ordinary stuff. Where I thought we were focusing on her and the team and doing that story. But actually, yeah. it comes to this is all about the coming of age, her learning her worth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, Absolutely. Good. So we've clearly just, we're in the I like yeah. <laughs> portion of, of the show. Because honestly, there's nothing... There's really nothing bad about this movie. Even, like, the worst thing is Jimmy Fallon's character. Yep. But the thing about it is it's coded for us to see him as the worst. Right. Like, he's not... Con- the movie does not condone his character yeah. or his behavior. Like, they outright ridicule him. The women are like, not in this lifetime, dude. Go away. Mm-hmm. And so there, it's it's just all fantastic. And And... When he's doing the commentary bit in the middle and talking about, oh, they're out in their fishnets and they're getting fishnet burns and, you know, making you know, possibly not the best remarks at, at all times. I am fully expecting that the writers, the director, the actors all researched or went to roller derby or watched videos. Right. Or, or, and I'm imagining, never having been to one, that this is pretty true to life. Mm-hmm. Whether that should be or not, you know, is, is another thing for debate, but... It never quite goes too far, and then there's the point that, yeah, he is also viewed as something of a dirtbag and doesn't have a chance with these women anyway. So it, it's either playful from him or hopeless, don't be this guy, because this is how bad he looks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite things in this movie, though, is the relationship that Bliss's parents have with each other. Mm. I loved it. Okay. Because... So often in a coming-of-age movie or story, you get a teenager who has a shitty life, who whose home is broken, one of the parents doesn't pay attention, is off doing their own thing, deadbeat dad, even though they're still married. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have that at all. Mm. They had a good relationship. And, like, you see it from the beginning when they're coming home from the pageant and... Like, he takes in all the stuff, and the mom stops at the door and turns around and looks at him and does this little shimmy, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll see you later. Like, that's adorable, and you don't usually see parents mm-hmm. do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And then, so, yeah, we do get the moment where he's, he has lied. You know, he's told his wife that, that he's working late. He's told the office that he's leaving early so he could sit in the van and watch the game. Mm-hmm. But everybody needs their me time. Like, their relationship is still, like, they support each other. Like, he's there for her as she's trying to teach Bliss, um, you know, the value of being a woman Mm -hmm. in her own way. Mm -hmm. I I disagree with the value that she places on women. So does Bliss, um, because she's very into this pageant world and women have to be feminine and find a husband and settle down. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, And, but he supports her in that. And when Bliss kind of has her teenage rebellious freak out and yells at both of them, you know, he stands with his wife. Absolutely. Yeah. And then in the end, he's the one who decides to support Bliss in the roller derby, gets the whole team to come get her, Mm -hmm. convinces the mom this is what she should really do. 
you know, and so they had a great relationship with each other, but they also had a great relationship with their daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's rare to see that in this kind of story. Yeah. You know, and and we've talked about this. We talked about this with Lilo and Stitch. Like, the whole reason that we have these Disney movies that are geared to children, where the main character are children, are because the conflict, the driving force in their lives has been the loss of that family unit. They don't have their parents or they don't have both parents and they've had to suffer and they've been irreparably damaged Mm -hmm. until Prince Charming comes along to fix it. And this movie isn't that at all. This movie is just... She's a teenager who's trying to figure out who she is, and this is how she's doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's they give her something to rebel against in the the pageantry mm-hmm. stuff, but it's not. Uh, I, I think it might have been perks of being a wallflower. There is an element of wanting to rebel, and I have nothing to rebel against. You know, <laughs> nice middle class kids, good education, good things, parents who let them go and do stuff, money to buy a car, all this kind of thing. Like, so what are you going to rebel against? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they they at least give her something, and it works well because in the end she does go through with it. She is there mm-hmm. in the dress, ready to do it, with yeah. fake Kirsten Dunst as as the nice girl of the pageant, who who they don't mock. They don't mock the other fake Kirsten. Dunst. There, there is the girl that she gives the dress to uh-huh. is Kirsten Dunst, except she's not Kirsten no. Dunst. It's so weird. <laughs> she's not. She doesn't look anything like Kirsten. She Dunst. absolutely does. and she has brown hair. <laughs> Okay, but you know what I mean. Like, anyway, they don't mock the pageantry side of it. There is an element of this is not necessarily the way we should be doing things anymore, and and the discussion of you know, modern feminism, as we have discussed in recent episodes, about the way you treat things, the way you consider womanhood and women's choices and choice to do whatever they want. And if you want to choose to do a pageant and talk about April twenty fourth is the perfect day because it's not too. What and you can wear, you know, a light jacket. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. Is it April 24th? April 14th? It's something like that. I think it's April 23rd. Oh, no. I'd rather be really It's April 20 something. Yeah. <laughs> it's April 20 something. In you mentioning the dad, here's a question then. So there is, there is an aspect of the story that the father has two, you know, the wife, two daughters who are into pageantry and, and are winning through the pageantry and a neighbor who has sons who are on the football team. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he likes football and he likes drinking beer in his van. He's a man. Mm-hmm. This is the sort of typical man's man kind of, you know, blokey kind of guy. There is just an aspect of him wanting to support bliss at the end and do the role of Derby stuff because it's sports. I think they save it with his thing of, I, I just want her to be happy. And this is the thing that will bring mm-hmm. her the happiness. But I just have a... I don't think they quite thread the needle to stop me thinking, oh, I can have a sports thing in my life. And it's Roland Derby and it's awesome. My daughter's good at it. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Okay. So maybe it's just me. Which is fine. Because if it were that, he would have been excited when he first heard about it. Mm-hmm. True. And he wasn't. Yeah, true, true, true. You know, he had. it took him realizing that she was unhappy mm. before he changed his mind. Okay. I, and I think it's coupled with the bit at the end of him putting the sign in his lawn. Oh, I think that was just funny. Is it just funny at all? So, I think so that is was that, just that, funny. Like, he was just sticking it a little bit. Is that a thing people do? I don't live in high school football culture, okay. so I don't know. Okay. I would be willing to bet that in Texas, yes, that's probably a thing. Okay. Because high school football is a thing yeah, in Texas. Sure, sure, sure. And more generally in the South as well, but... 
I went to a high school that didn't have a football team, oh. so I have never been in that world. Okay. Do you, is there any conversation here about representation of Southern culture? Um, no. Okay. For for a couple of reasons. One, it's Texas, which is not quite Southern. It's its own Southern. Yeah, okay. So if... It, Although... No, go ahead. So you have a podcast, Southern Five Pop Culture, uh, which is wonderful, which yes. is amazing. Really good fun. We talk about films and the representation of Southern culture in film. And mm-hmm. you make this comment, and you've made this comment on here a few times, about Texas is not the South. So for people who haven't heard the explanation... When you say Texas is not the South, clearly it is the South. <laughs> so, well, Florida's not the South either. Yeah, so so do you want I mean, to, Texas, at least on the Texas aspect, do you want to explain that? I mean, Texas is just its own thing. Like, Texas would be its own country if it could. Mm-hmm. And, and so Texas is a lot of the Southern, tra- the traditions in Texas are Texan. Okay. Not Southern. Right. So there is kind of, there's a line there mm. where, you know, they speak with a twang that's very reminiscent of the South, but it's still Texan. Like, it's its own okay. thing. And, like, the culture in Texas is just, it's much more, I'm proud to be Texan, not I'm proud to be Southern. Okay, got it. I can, I can understand that. We have counties over here, very similar. Mm-hmm. Yorkshire, for instance. Um, right, yes. God's country. Um, <laughs> Texas is God's country, in, yes. in inverted commas <laughs> I mean there was even the scene in this movie where Oliver and Bliss were on the hood of the car singing deep in the heart yellow rose of Texas, Texas. Yep. yeah deep in the heart of Texas that's what it was um, like and and it wasn't done as a joke or to make fun of anything this is just they're in Texas this is what they okay. do Texan pride it's Texan pride Got absolutely so we can talk small town culture. I said we would come to it. This is such an amazing, you know, as somebody who grew up in small towns, medi- mm-hmm. medium towns maybe, but this is the perfect, like, view of, yeah, there's not much for kids to do. To go to bigger towns, bigger cities, you have to get on public transport or have a car mm-hmm. to be able to, to travel for a little bit to go and do it. And But at the same time, you understand why the family lives there. You understand that the parents move to these places because generally the neighborhoods are safer, the town is quieter, the education system is potentially better. Like, you understand the motive for families to move there and then the motive for younger people to want to move out to go and experience yes. the world a bit more. And I, th- yes. I think we absolutely see that. And it's, I don't think it's labored as a point, but you see right. in everything, the, the shots of her on the bus going out of town, you just see everyone going about their day. Mm-hmm. And then when she finally gets to Austin, it's like, oh, this is a slightly different place. I think they go to the draft house at one point, which is, you know, a cinema I'd like to go to. So, yeah. you know. They've turned it into a chain. We have one here in Raleigh now. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I still want to go. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I want to go to the cinema. That's very clear at the moment. I want to go and eat in a in a flipping restaurant, and I want to go to the cinema. <laughs> yes. But I'm yes. not willing to go <laughs> until <laughs> October, no. or a Wonder Woman film comes out. Frankly, okay. What did you that's, think that's about that bar for you. that representation? That sort of you know, with your experience growing up and seeing this side of America. Most of my memories of growing up in the South have been in a more urban area. Okay. Or a, a larger city. Mm-hmm. I mean, not as big as New York City. We're talking a North Carolina large city, right? right? So most of my small town knowledge comes from the media. Mm-hmm. Things like 
The Andy Griffith Show or okay. Gilmore Girls. Okay. Right? And so you get a very romanticized version of small town life, mm. which is not what you got here. You know, this was much more realistic, I think. Mm-hmm. But I struggle because, you know, Texas is a place, it takes 12, 11 hours to drive across the entire state. Right. And so there are so many areas where you have all these small towns where it takes you two hours to go to the grocery store. And even though I grew up in small towns, Mm -hmm. I was always 30 minutes from town, 45 minutes from town. And so it's just a different experience Mm. because I can always, even now, I live in a town of 700. Okay. But I'm 30 minutes from Durham. I'm 40 minutes from Raleigh, which has 300,000 people. You know, and so anytime I want to do something, I just do it. Yeah. I'm I'm not held back because of the small town no. because it's close enough to the city that it's fine, mm. or as we call it, going into town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it, like it's even more different when you have someone who's sort of seventeen, eighteen, doesn't have a car because yeah, right. the town is all they have unless unless there are options like public transport, a friend having a car, that kind of thing. And you mm-hmm. can see that she's like, you know, I go where my mom tells me, I do the pageant and things, and then this is the one time I'm going to lie, I'm going to break out and go and try a thing, mm-hmm. and it. Yeah, I th- maybe just for me, it sort of mirrors that experience of going and doing something in the next town over and yeah, an actual city. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I think since most of my formative years were in Durham, I right. didn't experience that. Okay. It was also nice to see the mom's job. She was a postal worker. Yes. Yeah, and that, the moment of just seeing her on her round doing her job. Like, mm-hmm. she's clearly someone who is proud, prideful, mm-hmm. but does the job, does what's necessary, gets the living in to keep the family in. Yeah. You know. hmm. Yeah, it's just, it, it's a really nice view of a family who do well, but, you know, kids want to go and experience these things. And it's, although it's not told from the mother's point of view, there are stories. In fact, Ladybird has some of this about, you know, the, the mother-daughter relationship and the view on it, certainly when one is going off to college, which is what hmm. some of this, I think, wants to be about. But the college stuff is pretty lightly done. I don't think she had plans to go to college. No, but there, there was this thing she of her moving wanted, to the city and moving out. She of home wanted and stuff. to go to Austin yeah. to play roller derby. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like her best friend's going to Columbia, and she's going to go play roller derby mm. in Austin, which is fine. It's totally fine. But yeah, but it it was just it was interesting. Mm. All right, the last thing I just want to say about this movie: cool. grown women having a food fight is my jam. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> I mean, it was so obvious as soon as she throws the thing, the sauce at her. It's like, okay, we can see where it's coming here. But they just revel in doing it. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's great. You should do a letterbox list of films with food fights. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of my favorite things about this movie is that the, the portrayal of adults is even... So there's two very clearly two different kinds of adults here. Mm-hmm. We've got the roller derby women and we've got her parents. Okay. But in both cases, you get to see a fun side of them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not just the stern adult, which is what you often get when a teenager is the main character. Mm. Right? We get to see 36-year-old women enjoying themselves and having a food fight in a public place. Yeah. You know, we get to see the mom and dad flirting and, you know, having innuendos about sex. <laughs> you know, it's not just... The adults are the adults, and the kids are the ones who know what's actually going on, mm. right? We we, it's much more realistic. Yeah, it, this wasn't a Hollywoodized version of family or of people. It was this is how people are. Mm. 
36-year-old women can skate and have fun and join roller derby and have food fights. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and it is probably into that sort of generational differences. The fact that those kind of mm-hmm. um, Gen X and millennial generations are going to mm-hmm. be less grown up in their 20s yes. and 30s than potentially generations before them. Yes. Which was a difference between, I mean, because her parents are clearly Gen X. Sorry, yes. They're old Gen X young boomers, I would imagine. I would, I mean, this was 2009. So, yeah, you you may be right. I, I, I would put them probably as young Gen X. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, young, young then, Gen X is born in the 70s. So, Marcia Gay Harden was born 59. So, she would have been 50. Daniel Stern, born 57. So, yeah, de- okay. definitely Gen Xs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I I think showing that difference between them and the Derby girls, mm-hmm. women, I can say girls, I'm a girl, <laughs> was nice. But also getting, well, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't a Hollywoodized version. Mm. They were just people. Mm acting their age frankly totally agree like i thought i had no idea that the roller derby team was going to be made up of adult women i thought they were going to be teenagers in college age okay and then when i saw juliette lewis and Kristen wig i was like oh Mm -hmm. and then i googled how old these women were when this movie came out and i was like they were 36 right (laughs) i'm 37 i can do this like i got really excited and then we heard Juliette Lewis say her character was 36. She was a 36-year-old playing a 36-year-old. Brilliant. How the fuck does that ever happen in Hollywood? You know what? It's because Drew Barrymore was the director. Well, uh, okay. So, yeah, this is part of the thing as well. Uh, age-appropriate relationships and casting. Yes. Yeah. It's brilliant. Mm. It's brilliant. Loved it. And, and yeah, okay. So, talking on the the characters and the, the presentation of the characters on, on this, the casting is perfect. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, the, the easy stuff. Drew Barrymore as the slightly klutzy, emotionally wrought, <laughs> aggressive, uh, over aggressive one. It feels absolutely. It's exactly her character from Charlie's Angels, definitely, and is in mm, some ways what yeah. she's played in all her sort of Adam Sandler relationship mm-hmm. rom com type films, and it, it feels like that is what Drew Barrymore is like. Juliette Lewis as the slightly serious and slightly scary. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, antagonist, perfect. Kristen Wiig yes. as cool aunt who's got her head screwed on, but also, you know, is struggling and has her own thing going on. Perfect. Right. It just, it's all so good. It is, absolutely. Mm. Alia Shawkat is just, she's a great best friend character. I, like, her face is familiar to me, but I looked her up and I, I'm really not familiar with her. Her name was foreign to me. Oh, you have And I seen... looked her up. Um, Arrested Development. No. Ah. She's maybe in Arrested Development. She's Portia de Rossi's kid. Okay. And Interesting. David Cross, I think. Okay. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, she rocks up in stuff every so often. It's like, oh, hey, cool. Like her. But yeah. The guy who played uh, the coach, Razor. Yeah, the lesser Wilson brother. <laughs> what was his name? The, the lesser what? Wilson brother. Andrew Wilson. Oh, wait, he's a Wilson? He's a Wilson. Like an actual Wilson? Watching through this, I'm like, I mean, that's not Owen Wilson, but it is also Owen Wilson. 
I was thinking, uh, so yeah, he did have some Owen Wilson inflections yeah. in there. I, I see that now, but I kept wanting to, he's Sawyer from Lost. Like he's Opry and Sawyer. That is also a good call. Yeah. That's, I couldn't mm. stop seeing that. Like it's, it was weird. Yes. So he's, I think he's the older, uh, older brother of Luke and Owen Wilson, but you can see bits of Luke Wilson, but more Owen Wilson in him. Hmm. Mm. That's just because he's blonde. <laughs> okay. What about you? What? I mean, we've gushed about this whole movie, but yeah. are there anything in particular? Um, the, the the casting is the thing, and just running through it, like Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern is always going to be the guy from Home Alone. Like I, I didn't recognize oh, him. Really? I didn't. Wow. I was like. He looks vaguely familiar, but I don't know who he is. And then when I was doing the history and production, I was like, oh, my God, that was Daniel Stern. Yeah. He's always going to be like that. That is, you know, when in, in years to come, he has an in memoriam section at the Oscars. It will be something from Home Alone for him. Oh, of course. But he's yes. really good at this. And it's just so totally different. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it was. No, it was great. Yeah, I love the casting of this. And, and like you said, even Jimmy Fallon is, is good at what he does, because that's what Jimmy Fallon does. He wants to be the center of attention and shout at people and he gets to do that for most of the film um zoe zoe bell 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 there's a famous zoe ball over here not zoe ball okay zoe bell stunt actress mm-hmm. stunt actor occasionally rocks up in films and like yes she's got an actual speaking role awesome yes <laughs> love it i like that this is not the thing so it, it, we compare this to pitch perfect and stick it in fact in in Stick It, whoever the main woman is, whose name I now can't remember, part of the reason for coaching her is she's she's amazing at this. She just she's an unrefined talent. And Anna Kendrick in Pitch Perfect is like, oh, she's the most perfect, wonderful singer who can come up with stuff off the top of her head. She doesn't have to prepare mm-hmm. anything. Ellen Page is not wonderful at the skating and the roller derby. It takes a while to get into it. But she mm-hmm. is small and she is fast. She is perfect for a jammer. Like yes. so, so that absolutely works, but she has to work at it. You see her wanting to be in this thing and doing everything she can to get the practice in. Right. I, I love it. I'm always here for that sort of thing in a film rather than the sort of mm-hmm. chosen one. Yeah, you know. I loved that she suddenly was wearing skates everywhere. Yeah. Like she was wearing skates at work. Mm-hmm. She was skating down the street, like practicing and then hiding from her mom. Yeah. Like Every time she turned around, like, she was skating. Mm. Because this was something she really wanted to do. She knew she needed to work at it, and so she did. Yeah, And, and we get the sense of her progression through that. So mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, look, suddenly now she's good because she's practiced a lot. She has to right. work at it. Awesome. Awesome. There was a roundabout. Yeah. I always like seeing roundabouts in American films because I wonder how many Americans go. It's weird. They're not as weird anymore. We have a lot of them now. Okay. They're, they are frequently replacing stoplights. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Any reason? I'm sure there's a reason. I just don't know what it is. Okay. You don't have to maintain a roundabout. I think it's probably the main one. You just put it there and it works. I think also better flow of traffic. Mm-hmm. Because with roundabouts, traffic doesn't have to stop if there's no, no traffic. Exactly. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they're they are much more prevalent than they used to be right. here. <laughs> well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about Whip It? You keep saying you want to do Roland Arby. And that this would be your thing and you would love to give it a try. What would you be called? What would Mandy K. Ottaway's um, nom de skate be? I have no idea. Okay. I'm terrible at puns. And they're all 
plays on actual things. Uh, like Babe Ruthless yep. and Iron Babe Maven so and Smashly Simpson. Right? Hermione Bruiser. <laughs> Something like- I mean, I'd probably want to find a way to make it Buffy related. Okay, okay. Willow Rosenburn. Uh, pa- uh, yeah, I have no idea. Pena Jenkins. No, that's not very good. No, 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 no. I mean, I would want it to be like Buffy Hammers or something. Yeah, Buffy but- Stunners. <laughs> That's, Buffy Stunner. That's a bit too porny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm terrible at this. Okay. I just. What would yours be? Oh, who knows? Who knows? It would be a film reference of some sort, wouldn't it? Maybe, maybe a DC yeah. Comics thing. Mm. Yeah. Who knows? The the one it makes me think of is um oh I can't remember her name now Emily Emily something Camille Nanjiani's other half I don't know who these people are. So there's a film called The Big Sick, uh, which was written by Camille Nanjiani and Emily Gordon. And Camille Nanjiani's been in a lot of films, so you would recognise him as soon as you saw him. She, um, on Twitter, she used to be called at Ginomite. Ginomite? Because uh, and I remember hearing on a podcast her explaining this and her saying, oh, I went and did burlesque and was told to come up with a burlesque name. And burlesque names are a little bit like roller derby names, but a bit more drag queeny those sort of mm-hmm. sort of jokey things but she didn't understand that so she came up with the, the dynamite and I, and I remember that because she said it's like i wanted to actually be a wrestler or roller derby person rather than a burlesque dancer <laughs> <laughs> i wondered if you would come up with something yes i think if people are listening to us now and coming up with a really good buffy type roller derby name they should let us know on twitter or email or something yes yeah there is a uh, roller derby name generator online. Oh, really? <laughs> and you have to answer a lot of questions cool. before it generates one for you. But um, I didn't like it. Yeah, I like the rule plays on words and yes. plays on names. That's a cool way to do it. And I like that they had their theme of the hurdle scouts. <laughs> yes. And it means that the commentator can do things about selling cookies and getting badges and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I love it. I, did, I, I loved it too. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But I am not creative enough to come up with a name, so our listeners may have to do that for us. Okay. Let us know. How could they let us know, Mandy? Well, if you would like to join the conversation and tell us your roller derby name or give us suggestions for what our roller derby names would be, you can use the hashtag PCDeprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at EloquentGushing, or you can send an email to podcast at EloquentGushing.com. And I haven't said this in quite a while, but if you would like to leave us a voice message so we can hear your lovely, lovely voices, you can do that at speakpipe.com slash eloquent gushing. Popculture Deprived is completely funded by our listeners through Patreon. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content and some physical merch as well. And it helps us support the network and allows us to develop some new shows. If you want to find out more, you can do so at patreon.com slash eloquent gushing. And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about Whale Rider. Until then, I am Mandy Kay. And let's celebrate mediocrity. Every day of my life. (laughs) Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.